Welcome to Outdoors. I'm Brian, and today is Paralympic athlete Danny Arevich. Thanks for being on the podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much, Brian. I'm excited to be here. Can you tell us about what brought you to Bozeman? So I just moved to Bozeman in December from Park City, Utah. I came to Bozeman to spend my winter training with the Paralympic National Nordic Team in a partnership with Crosscut Mountain Sports. And I spent my winter here training. I absolutely loved Bozeman, loved Montana. So as I'm moving into my running season, instead of returning to Park City, I decided I wanted to stay in Bozeman longer and try out a summer in Bozeman and see how that would be for my training in running. You're a runner. You run the 400. How did you get kind of roped into doing Nordic skiing this year? Two years ago, if you would tell me that I'd be full-time Nordic skiing, I would have laughed considering prior to December of 2019, I had only stepped on Nordic skis once in my life. I ran division one cross country and track and field in college. And I went off to begin a career actually in the professional sports industry. While I was doing that, someone brought to my attention, the idea of training for the Paralympics for track and field. So I hopped into that as another opportunity to start training and competing again. And I've been competing in Paralympic track for only about six, seven, eight months when one of the U.S. Paralympic Nordic developmental coaches reached out to me after hearing about me through mutual connection and hearing about my experience in endurance sports, she invited me to a training camp to try out the sport of Nordic. And I went to this training camp in December of 2019 in Breckenridge. And after that, I guess I was pretty hooked because they were so helpful. They got me set up with skis. I was living in Utah at the time. So they set me up with different people who could give me lessons, help me out training for skiing while I was in Utah. So I got thrown into the world very fast, but then obviously COVID hit and I was still training for tracking field with the goal of making the Paralympics for Tokyo for the summer games. And so skiing wasn't necessarily a priority for me at that point. But then with the hit of COVID, the postponement of the summer games, I decided I would give Nordic more of a shot, spent more of my summer focused on Nordic training and prepping for the following winter, and then was given this opportunity to come up to Bozeman for the winter to fully emerge myself into the Nordic world. And I hopped on that opportunity and now have spent basically a full season of Nordic training six days a week was even able to go to Europe at the end of the season to represent the U.S. for a World Cup. And the goal now is to qualify for the 2022 Winter Paralympic Games in Beijing for Nordic and biathlon. In training for Nordic and track, what are some of the, the biggest differences? A lot of people, when I say that I do both sports, say, oh, they must complement each other really well. I don't really see it, honestly, because in track, I run the 400 right now, which is obviously more on the sprint side, whereas I could definitely compare Nordic skiing a lot more to distance running, and that is my background, so I did really like the aspect of Nordic that is the endurance base, 
but I do definitely going from skiing to now track season right now. I feel like I'm lacking quite a bit of my speed that I would typically work on in the winter leading up to a track season. So while my fitness was really high coming out of ski season, I do definitely still need to get my quick little steps under me in order to get back into sprints fully. I mean, is some of that similar to, to if you're, if you're doing sprints or intervals in in Nordic, or is it kind of a completely different, um, muscle interaction? To a certain extent, some similarities, but the sprints in Nordic are still so much longer than the sprints I do in running. So quite a bit of differences there. Um, but again, what I have been surprised about coming from ski season right into track, while a lot of people take in the Nordic world, the month of April off completely before starting to do their summer training, I had to jump right back into track and field to get ready for Tokyo for the Paralympic trials. I have noticed that my fitness and my cardio base is obviously there. Mm -hmm. And so that has been very helpful so far. How do you manage your, your energy levels, uh, kind of on a weekly basis and to get, get ready for each event. That has been probably my biggest lesson as an athlete, because I definitely have a tendency to overtrain. And especially when I left working a corporate nine to five desk job to more so full-time training. I had a hard time with the concept that I didn't have to be doing something 24 seven and rest and recovery is probably one of the most important aspects of training, at least in the sports I participate in. And so, especially when travel is involved, it's just finding any moment you can to allow yourself to rest. I have found that I need a lot more time, especially when travel is involved with stretching, taking time to roll out, things like that. Whereas when I was training in college for running, I didn't give myself very much recovery or rest time despite travel, school, social events. So as I've gotten older and gotten more experienced in sports, that has definitely been the biggest lesson is taking recovery and rest a lot more seriously. And how do, how do you think that relates to, you worked in the corporate world for a little while as well, um, into like our mental performance. Do you think there are any kind of tie-ins with that kind of rest and stress? 100%. I think that when I say rest and recovery, that definitely means physically but also mentally and emotionally. When I first started training for track for the Paralympics, I was still working full time. And I did notice my training suffered, not even necessarily physically, because I might not have been doing anything that physically straining while at my desk job. But mentally, I had a very hard time leaving behind work to go into training. So now I'm really lucky that I, when I do work, my hours are a lot more flexible. I'm able to work from wherever. So I feel like I'm able to then separate work from training a lot easier. And I feel like I'm not getting as emotionally taxed as I was in the corporate world. And that I've definitely noticed has helped my training. Whereas I think when you do have maybe a high stress job, if you have a family, 
other things going on in your life, it can be very hard to separate mentally training from that and to put yourself in a fresh mindset and be able to truly immerse and focus on that training. So it can definitely be a great challenge mentally if you're not allowing yourself that rest and recovery. And that just, yeah, it could be anything from spending more time in the morning, getting ready and not feeling rushed to get out the door, I think helps a lot with your mental game in terms of training for sport. And anytime you can find a minute to just allow your mind to relax, I've definitely found that meditation for athletes specifically, there's a lot of different tools out there that there's different meditation tools, videos, podcasts you can listen to that are specific for athletes. I think that can give you some time to allow your mind to rest as well. Let's talk a little bit about the um, Paralympic categories and kind of how that's organized. I interviewed uh, Nick um, earlier as a coach. They partnered with CrossCut to do uh, Paralympic uh, skiing for a variety of different different athletes uh, this winter. And he was telling me how kind of complex it is <laughs> with the different different categories and groups. Can you talk a little bit how that works and how that works for skiing and for track? Yes. So with the Paralympics, each sport has its own system of classification and categories to make the sport and the game and the competition as equal and as fair as possible. But the challenge with that is particularly in some sports that aren't as large or as well participated in worldwide, there's just not enough people to maybe get as specific as they'd like to in terms of categories. For example, in track and field, so many athletes worldwide participate that our categories are very specific to your class of disability. For example, I am missing my hand and my forearm right below the elbow. And so I, in track and field, only compete against people who have an arm impairment on one side. So that could be another amputation. It could be a paralyzation of sorts. So any type of person who has a single arm impairment is who I compete only against. With skiing, there isn't quite as many categories just because the sport doesn't have quite as many individuals worldwide competing. So I, for example, compete only against people who are standing, basically meaning they don't have an impairment that affects them that they would need to be in a sit ski, whether it's a double amputation, a single amputation above the knee, if it is some type of paralyzation, spina bifida, et cetera. So I could compete against someone who is missing both of their arms is has a single below knee leg amputation who has a paralyzation in a foot there's a lot of different categories I could compete in and then they apply based on your disability within that category a percent to make a factor to try to make it as equal as possible so depending on the race maybe someone with a leg amputation would get a 92% factor and I may get a 96% factor. So that means they get a little more time taken off. So in Paranordic, there's basically three major categories. And then within that, you get your percents. 
They're sit skiing. So they are in a little bucket with two skis attached and they only have the one style of skiing. Then there's standing skiing, which involves classic and skate skiing, typical to similar to able-bodied. And then there is visual impairments. Working on a series of um, illustrated books for the Bozeman area. Just had The Last Best Ski come out, which you helped me get the word out on that. Successful Kickstarter campaign and selling at local shops. We're following that up with The Last Best Bike for mountain biking coming out this summer. And then after that will be The Last Best Hike, which will be foot trails for hiking and trail running, sky running, um, everything beyond that. One of the reasons for doing that project is to encourage all sorts of people, you know, not, not just elite athletes, people at any age and any ability to get out there and start exercising outdoors specifically and ideally with groups of people when it's safe to do so. So what do you think are the benefits, mental health and physical benefits for exercising outdoors together? I have definitely seen in my own personal life the positive effects of spending time doing outdoor activities. I grew up in Boise, Idaho. So similarly to Bozeman, a very outdoors focused town. And we grew up downhill skiing, going on bike rides, going on hikes, going camping, etc. And I would say for myself for a long time, I didn't truly appreciate it growing up. And I always dreamt of living in a big city and going to the East Coast and living more so a lifestyle like that. And when I went to college in Indianapolis, Indiana, I right away noticed how much I missed having outdoor activities, having mountains, having access to skiing in the winter. I missed it so much. So when it came to graduation, I gave up that idea that I belonged in a city and my goal was to get somewhere back out West. And I ended up in Salt Lake City, Utah, which again is a great spot for outdoors activities. And it has become, especially now since living in the West again for the past few years, such an important aspect of my life. And I feel so lucky that the sports I do participate in at an elite level do involve time in the outdoors. I think that it is so important for people's, like you said, mental health, emotional health, to be able to have access to the outdoors, to feel comfortable, even if they aren't an expert, being able to get outside, find a new passion, find a new hobby. And I think especially living in Bozeman, we just have such great access to everything from biking, skiing, hiking, et cetera, that it's such a shame if people don't take it full advantage of that. So what are you most excited about this summer coming up? What are, what are your near-term near goals? So for this summer, I am going to be training still for track and field. I have Paralympic trials at the end of June. And from there, I'll know if I'm going to Tokyo. What's a little bit challenging while I want to take full advantage of a Bozeman summer, since this would be my first summer here in Montana, I don't know if I'm going to have all the free time in the world to be able to explore, just depending on if I make the team for Tokyo or not. 
I'll obviously buckle down and be solely focused on track. But if things don't go as planned and for some reason I don't make the team, I'm going to take full advantage of a Bozeman summer. I'll be doing ski training. So getting out roller skiing in town, definitely going on a lot of trail runs, biking a lot more. And that's, I mean, when I lived in Utah, our favorite thing was to go down South to the desert, to go camping, to go biking, to go hiking, explore the national parks. So I'm excited to try a different area of the mountain West for the summer and see what great things Bozeman has to offer. Well, where can people uh, keep track of what Danny's up to and your training progress and everything? I post a lot about training on all of my social media channels. They're the handle for that is at the one arm Dan. And then I actually did just start a YouTube channel last month to talk about training and show some of the behind the scenes of what it's like being a full-time adaptive athlete. So on YouTube, it is just my first name and my last name, Danny Erbich. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast, Danny. Any final thoughts? To encourage anyone, especially for myself, who's new to Bozeman, also new to the Nordic ski world, that it can be very intimidating to try one of these outdoor, more extreme sports if you're new to them, if you don't have a lot of experience. But I would say it is totally worth it. And by listening to podcasts like this one, reading books that Brian is putting out, definitely trying to figure out ways to educate yourself. There's opportunity for everyone truly to get out in the outdoors. Excellent. Yeah, and I can put some links to um, some of the organizations, a lot of these great organizations um, for year-round in endurance sports um, and outdoor activities for all ages. So I'll put those in the comments below. But thanks so much, Danny. Appreciate you being on the podcast. Visit thelastbestski.com for more information about the book and endurance sport communities in the Bozeman area. Check out thelastbestbike.com for a new book coming out in the summer of 2021. Until next time, happy trails.